Hey there, and welcome to the Tea Curious Podcast, episode number one. Woohoo! And yeah, as we're staring into the void of making sure this project gets done <laughs> and is awesome and is, you know, worth the time, and maybe you're kind of feeling that way if you have a project on the horizon too, yeah, we just wanted to start by getting some inspiration and advice from one of the most talented go getting people I know in tea. And that's my friend Martin from 80 Degrees Magazine. Yeah. Um, 80 Degrees Magazine. I think if you've had this magazine in your hands, it needs no introduction. But um, if you haven't met Martin or met the magazine before, just a little intro. Um, Martin Bohasik is the founder and editor in chief of 80 Degrees Magazine, a beautiful independent print magazine based in Lisbon, Portugal. Um, but while he's based there, the magazine features stories from just everywhere. Tea culture and travel from all across the globe, from South Africa to Japan to Iran and, and beyond. And as of the publishing of this episode, it's now, I think, on issue 7 with issue 8 coming up. But I've been very lucky to have known Martin since issue 1, and even before issue 1. And that's when I actually met him, is when he sent out this email out of the blue, I didn't know who this guy was. Martin Bohoshik on the, the email, and he was talking about this crazy idea he had for a print magazine and his love for print and the need for tea to be in like a beautiful printed format. And while I knew he was serious, I still can't believe just how far he's come in terms of, you know, driving this magazine. Imagine all the artists and writers and photographers he has to put together for like dozens of stories and then edit that and then press freaking publish on this thing to be out in the world forever. Um, if you've ever been faced with a gigantic project, or at least one that feels gigantic, you know what that feeling is of like, wow, how do you get from A to Z? And that's kind of what we talk about in this episode. Um, while this is a tea podcast, I also want to cover stuff behind the scenes. You know, how do we work on ways to get tea out into the world? And sometimes it's not at a tea table. Sometimes it's behind a laptop patiently curating stories like Martin does and so if you're thinking about working on your own tea project of any kind and want some inspiration and direction I think that you'll really enjoy this episode so yeah let's get into it with Martin from 80 Degrees. Welcome to the podcast Martin. Thank you Ree thank you for having me. Yeah of course um, thank you for coming on um, even before this how many times have I said I'm so excited and grateful and, and amazed that you would come on to, to join us? Um, I look up so much to you. Uh, you've done so much for the tea world in such a short period of time. So thank you for sharing your time with us today. So, so for people who haven't heard about you yet, which is crazy, I can't even imagine, <laughs> but for, for our friends joining us for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about you and how you got into all this tea stuff? Sure. It, it, it's funny when you say this way that, you know, people, that there may be people who haven't heard about me uh, in the tea world, because from my perspective, it's really not that, you know, I don't see that way for me. It's just, it's just me in my office making my stuff. And I don't really think of the fact that there are people who may or may not know me. Um, uh, yeah. So as, as you, as you know, uh, I run a tea magazine called 80 Degrees and actually celebrated three years of publishing the first issue. Um, last week, which is quite a milestone, um, we've published have published seven issues so far. And to your question, how I got to it, it was really quite random. I mean, it wasn't really thought through or anything like that. About three years ago, I was moving countries, moving careers, and um, I simply liked the printed word. I, I liked independent magazines, and I liked tea. And I was not a connoisseur, tea connoisseur by any measure at all. Um, my experience in tea was actually quite limited. But, you know, as they say, you always learn best by doing it. So starting a tea magazine and putting together content that I was not necessarily familiar with was a great way for me to learn. Um, so, yeah, um, four months after, after the idea came about, the first issue came out. And here we are, three years later. <laughs> It gives me so much joy to hear that three years has passed because I remember the first the first time that we met talking about the magazine as an idea. And that's what blows me away is that, you know, there are so many ideas that many of us have, including myself, but you really followed through with it. How were you able to take this idea and just say, okay, let's do it? 
Yeah, it's um, so the idea is fun, of course. Uh, when you when you daydream about things like this, it's always fun, and um, you know you you come up with lots of ideas. Then following through is much more difficult. I guess fortunately for me, I was in a position where I could go any direction I I wanted. Um, I was changing a lot of things in my life, and this opportunity came up. You know, I had some spare time. Uh, for a few months, I could have started a magazine, I could have done something else. So I just went ahead with it. And from the way I work is when I set my mind to something, I kind of want to succeed and want to deliver. If if something goes wrong, um, I don't like giving up on it. So I guess, personality wise, I was well positioned to do something like this. Um, although, obviously, there are so many things that come across, you come across throughout the process that even I had to learn a lot of stuff about myself to be able to maintain this and then keep keep uh, producing this magazine. But I guess, yeah, I mean, there was surely a, a dose of luck, a dose of commitment and just pure fascination in, in, in this culture, fascination by the culture, uh, the, the, the richness of the world of tea that I wanted to discover myself, which really drove me to, to keep going. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm originally from Slovakia. Um, I lived in London for about 12 years, uh, where the, I guess the, the original idea came about there as I was moving to Portugal where I live now. Um, so because of this transition, you know, I, I left my job. I didn't want to go back to my career, which was in advertising. So the opportunity came up to do something different than, the, the magazine idea won the day, I guess. Yeah. And do you think that at that point in time, did you think of making maybe a coffee magazine or something else? Did some other topic flip by? No, there was a, one other topic. I thought something more about, um, it wasn't qu- quite defined. You know, I, I at that time I was very uh, involved with yoga. Uh, I did a lot of body movement kind of exercises and yoga was something very dear to me. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So I was considering that as well, but tea had the edge. I mean, I was much more leaning towards tea always. So it wasn't really uh, something I had to, you know, uh, weigh. Um, Coffee, I mean, there is already a lot written about coffee. There are some great magazines out there already. So there was no really a point in starting a new one from my perspective. Tea, there are, as you would know, there are some magazines in tea, some printed magazines, but none of them really at the time would follow the kind of vision I had. Uh, I think what I, 80 degrees is quite different in content and in, in the, the visual rendition from all the other tea magazines. And it's really, I mean, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. You know, tea content exists. A lot of people are writing about tea. Uh, it's just about how you how you position your vision, how you want to present it according to how you see it and how you want other people to see it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very lifestyle-driven magazine. You know, I want people to learn a lot from it as well. Uh, it's it's I suppose the idea originally was to bring more people to tea, people who don't know much about tea. So we started in issue one from the very basics of tea, you know, what it is, where it comes from, what are the main types and so on. And then gradually it's building on with a little bit more niche stuff about tea, niche stories, niche teas. Um there is a lot of history, a lot of travel, a lot of you know, things to ponder over. So it's easy reading, but it's still I believe it still gives people a lot of knowledge. You know, I, I constantly get messages from people, whether um, tea beginners or enthusiasts or even professionals who say they're very happy to, you know, they got this issue because there is an article about tea somewhere far away where they have never heard of it. And, you know, they learn something new and they want to try it. And that's really the whole idea of the magazine, which brings so much joy to me when I hear that. I'm thinking about when we first started Tea Curious and you have this big idea of what this thing is going to be. And I would say it's probably the most exciting time, to be honest, <laughs> because the very, the ideas are exciting and there's not that much work yet, yeah. right? Um, 
And, and when then I was reality hits curious, you. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I remember the spreadsheets I had of like, oh, how many courses do I have to sell to like hit a certain number? And like, what would I have to do to maintain myself? And what are everyone else doing? You know, what, what are their price points and what are they doing? So there's both a financial excitement and a creative excitement also. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, I'm, I'm very structured in what I do. So obviously there were a lot of spreadsheets and, and you know, to-do list and kind of plans of what you want to achieve. Um, I guess luckily the magazine has been very well received from the very beginning. And um, as, as, you know, as a project became profitable from very early on. Um, I suppose it is reaching the goals I set in the beginning. It's, you know, the, the, the things happened that I couldn't have foreseen. Uh, things, I mean, I was completely naive when it, comes to, when, it, when it came to publishing at the time. I didn't know much about how things were. You had to, I had to learn everything as, you know, during the process. So the, the vision I had was very simple and very naive. Now I know much more about how the business has to be run and, you know, how, what are the challenges and the advantages of it. But yeah, generally it's, it's, it's following the structure. I mean, I wanted originally wanted the magazine to come out every four months, every three months, which was one of those naive points because I you know it's, it's fun to build a magazine in the beginning, but then once it already exists, like I said, issue one took me four months to make issue two took me 10 months. So when the first issue came out, I realized, okay, this is, it exists. It's something real. Now you need to kind of follow up in the same footsteps and make it better, hopefully. But on top of that, you have the whole business side that didn't exist while I was building the first issue. And that was kind of a, you know, slap uh, wake up call that I realized okay, there's so much more to it than just collecting ideas and writing articles and getting photos. So that's why it was very delayed the second issue, uh, because I was grasping with, with all the, all the other aspects of the business. But then over years and over, over new issues, it kind of stabilizes and the process becomes much more streamlined. So I'm much more confident in, in actually the execution of the magazine of how to, what are the steps to produce a new issue. What is still very difficult is choosing the content, what goes in it, because that's, you know, I mean, the world is your oyster, right? You can choose anything you want to go in that, and that's just overwhelming. We talk about the whole, like, oh, you know, don't make the thing you love into a business because it might feel different once you get into it. Does the business of 80 degrees ever interfere with the creation process for you? Constantly. <laughs> it's, you can't separate it. I mean, this is not something I do on the side of, of, of a full-time job, right? This is, this is my job. So inevitably, I, I had this romantic vision of having a magazine and running a magazine and, you know, traveling for it and writing articles from a coffee shop and all of that. So, you know, life is good. <laughs> but then life is a little bit more complicated than that. And you need to focus on so many other things other than the actual content creation, which, you know, very few of us are fans of, surely. I, I don't like these things myself, the, the admin side of the business, but it's something that you have to do. And very often you need to spend more time on that than the, than the actual creation. Uh, in the in the creation mode so yes that's um it's inevitable and it's not fun and it's one of the downsides of of, of turning your passion i guess you could call it a passion <laughs> as i said it was a bit random but yeah i'm very passionate about tea so turning a passion into a business is always tricky and uh it, it, it definitely has some negative consequences for sure but again, it's about, I, I don't know if there is, if there is a, a simple answer for this, but you have to find some sort of 
strategy of how to cope with this, right? Uh, you have days where you, I mean, there, there is not a day that passes without me drinking tea. And I, I love doing that. And I love stopping and pausing for tea because it gives me pleasure. And you would imagine that because the whole business is, is revolves around tea, it would be fairly easy to do. But, you know, there are days where just like in any other business, you just simply cannot get yourself out of bed and sit, you know, at a computer and, and work, uh, you have to, you have to take some time off. Um, despite it being something that you are really passionate about. That's amazing because there's still so much soul and heart that goes into the magazine that, I mean, it is a business, but it's a business with a lot of care and soul. Like the, 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 the feeling I'm trying to get is like, Martin, you've never seen people like pick up your magazine when you're not in the room, you know? No, but that's that's um, a very good point. That's that's a very good point, and that's also what's very daunting about the whole project is that you don't really see how it is received, how it is perceived. You, I mean, you see on on social media, people like your post, people comment, they you know they buy the magazine as soon as it comes out, which is all great. But then what happens after? Right? You don't you don't really see how when people actually look at the detail of the magazine and they read the articles, what do they think? What do they feel? I, I don't ha I don't know that. So, and you know, sometimes you get certain kinds of feedback. Um, in in most cases, people are very happy about it. In some cases, people have some reservations, and you can try to to adjust it to address those issues. But then, on the other end, you can never please everyone, right? So you have to. I suppose you just have to be very stubborn about it. And if you believe in your vision, if you know what you want to achieve and what you want to deliver, you just have to go for that. And that's what I have been trying to do, even though it's very, very difficult, uh, you know, just like believe in your vision, trust the process and you will, you know, you will, you will succeed, I guess. Um, so I, I, I suppose an important aspect of the process is you should make the magazine the way you should make it for yourself. You need to make the magazine in the way that if you didn't know it and you pick it up, you will like it, right? You're not doing it for someone else. Uh, so everything I do in the magazine, it's something I would like to see in other magazines. And that's, I suppose that's the, that's the North Star, the, the, the way, the, the, the guiding light in the process. Um, yeah. Right. So for someone who might be, let's say, in the issue one of what they're working on, and, you know, I wanted to ask these questions because I'm learning how to do it too. Like, you know, our issue one was our water course, and it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. I can't believe how difficult it was. The in theory idea of it, like, oh, we're going to do this, and I have some skills I can bring to the table, and this is a timeline, and these are the finances, and these are the skills we'll need. And the actual making of that quote-unquote issue one, were just so different that by the end of it, I was really, really, really tired and paralyzed and struggling, like you said, <laughs> you know? Um, so what, I guess, what what advice would you have for someone who is about to go into the, the issue one of whatever they're working on? Um, I've just gotten out yeah. of that that stage and it's a very, it's a crazy stage, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's Funnily enough, in my case, it didn't take too much time, more than I'm, I take now between issues. But I do remember that at the time I would work, you know, 16 hours a day, would literally wake up work until I go to bed at 2 a.m. Um, and that's purely because I did, I had no expectations. I didn't know how, what the process should be like. I didn't know how much time I need for all these things. I, didn't know anything right i was just i decided okay this is this is the 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 vague direction of the magazine i need to find some content for it and then put it together play with software and produce a printable file that then can go somewhere where they print it and i don't know how that process works but you know i have to learn with the printer so there was an, an incredible amount of information to process and uh, stuff to learn but I look at that time very fondly. I, I, I loved it, that time, despite me not having a life for really for five months. It was really purely just working on the magazine every single day, seven days a week. 
and then it came up and it came out and you know i was almost 100% pleased with the results <laughs> there were some obviously some some points that when i look at it now i cringe but um it's yeah it's um it was fun it was good the sec- as as i always say the second one was the most difficult because you already had a, a an example to follow and now it can't be worse it can only be the same or better ideally better so for issue one, I was just plugging things out of thin air. For the second one, you had to follow a certain structure. Um, so uh, advice I would give, you need to have a vision, but you have to accept that most likely you will not deliver the vision in, in exactly how you imagined it at, in the beginning, because you will learn so much in the process that you will change so many things and you will improve on the vision uh, in, the, in the best case scenario. But yeah, I mean patience and perseverance and all these these big words <laughs> i have to throw there but I, I i don't know how i got how i managed to do this but it was crucial to do i mean i guess you could look at it from the other side what's the worst thing that could happen right if you i could have published an issue not many people would like it okay project done i don't have to continue with it i mean you waste some time you learn a little bit but that's it you can't you, you can't force the the readers the, the customers to like it to have to trust in your vision. That feel, that to me feels very easier said than done. Um, right? I mean, it's like... I totally, yes, but I don't know how to... Yeah, it's, it's like um, Martin is saying, don't worry, it's not a big deal. If it doesn't work the first time, it's not that big of a deal. But I think for me... Well... Uh, go, go ahead, Martin. I mean, it's... Ultimately, I treated this magazine as a startup, right? As a company. Most companies fail. You have to accept that there is a very uh, high likelihood that the project will not succeed the way you want it. You may have to change it a little bit. You may have to adapt. But it may not be what you dreamed about on day one. And if you have that you know, in your mind, if you, if you, if you are aware, if you keep this in mind, I think you are... You may be more at ease and you may be a little bit more flexible in your approach. Whereas mm-hmm. if you stick to how you envision it and then, you know, three months later you realize that it's much more difficult and this is not going to work, but you still want to do it the, the, the original way, it's failure is more likely. You just have to be very flexible. I wish that I knew this. I wish that I was able to talk to you before we started <laughs> filming for the course because these concepts of like, you know, you have to be prepared for it. You have to be aware that most businesses fail, most startups fail, and you have to be okay with it changing. In theory, I know these mm. things, right? Because I've been in the tea business for so long, but maybe because it's so important to me, I have this like, oh, it needs to be a certain way. It has to be good enough. It has to like live up to what I'm promising to these people I'm selling this to, mm-hmm. which is a lot of pressure, you know? So when I hear you say, oh, issue one was quite nice and I look at it fondly, I wish I was able to do that. And I wonder if I had talked to you at the time, you could have given me some advice (laughs) to just take it easy and like have some realistic expectations of what it was going to be like, you know, Um, because I was very like, it has to be a certain way and I'll move a little bit with it. You know, I was able to like be flexible with our project, but all I could do every single time we finished a module was to look back at what we did wrong and wish that it was different for the next module, which was not sustainable. It's, it's an exactly the same happens with me, or at least in the beginning. This was very kind of very present in my mind. I, I opened a new issue, I look at it, I find all the possible mistakes that I was trying to avoid. And I wish, <laughs> I, wish I had done that. You know, I have a few sleepless nights. I feel I'm very unhappy about it. But I mean, ultimately, you can't change that. You can only learn from it and hope, you know, in the next next time you will avoid these mistakes. But again, you have to acknowledge and accept that even though you know about these mistakes, new mistakes will appear, new mistakes will happen. You cannot make a product like this 100%, especially in the print magazine, which is something you cannot change after it's done. You know, it's not a blog. It's not a digital thing. It's, it's printed. Uh, you can have, you know, articles are written they're edited they're re-edited they're proofread 20 times like you do everything you can to to deliver to to, to fix everything but 
you know, uh, mistakes always happen. So I, I don't really think about it anymore. I know it will happen and that's it. It's nothing is perfect. You can't, you, you can't dwell on that because if you, if you do dwell on the perfection, you know, you will never progress. If you read any, I don't know if you can call them self-help books, but you know, books about design and creativity and, you know, producing stuff. It's the, every one of them says that it's much better to, to, to create and deliver something that is imperfect than dwelling on the perfection and sitting on it and not releasing it because you're trying to make it as good as possible. I mean, that's not really progress. That's just beating yourself up and not, not evolving. Mm -hmm. And the best way to learn is to make that mistake. If, if you decide to create something new in my case, a magazine, in your case, a course, if it's something you're doing for the first time, you cannot possibly imagine all the mistakes you can create, you can make. So you just have to go with it. And then you look back, you learn from the experience and you improve on in the next time. It's, uh, there is no silver bullet to, to make something perfect. Right. Which you, you think in theory, you know, because I read self-help books too. And so before we made the course, I'm like, <laughs> let's make sure to have fun. Let's make sure in theory to not try to make it too perfect. But then like for me, I still slipped into that, that trap, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that I did it because I, I got, I guess it feels like a muscle to like practice being okay with something not being perfect. And the more that I do it, the better it is for me that I can manage it not being a perfect product. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's a cliche, but again, everyone says the best experience you get is from your failure. It's not from your success because you're not learning from your success. You're learning from your failure. People do say that for a reason that you need to trust the process like that that's what ha helped me if you are starting from the very beginning and you don't have the process I would look at it from the analytical kind of project management perspective that I had in my previous job is what do you want to achieve you know it's it's very helpful to have a whiteboard or you know just you write it down this is this is probably one very good advice, very good piece of advice. Always write down what you're thinking, and if if you don't know, like I, I started all this alone. If you're doing it alone, ask yourself the questions, or 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 have a conversation with yourself, and ideally write it down, because that really opens up a new perspective, and you it's you know it doesn't replace a second person, but it's pretty good. It's much better than when you're alone. So if you, if you don't know where to start, you don't know what the process is, you, you can't yet trust the process, just write down what you want and then break it down into the bits and pieces that you need in order to achieve it. So in my case, you know, I want to print it. I want a print magazine about tea. What do I need? Okay, you need X number of articles. Do you want them illustrated or do you want a, a photography or do you want both? You do that then you need you need you know you have to print it so you will need to address that aspect you know you need to what what is direction of the magazine what kind of topics do you want there do you want to talk to hear from tea professionals or do you want to uh, write about travel or whatever you want so you write it all down and then you continue where do you get these travel stories can you travel no yes if you can't do you know people who do and it's basically you create a web a tree of questions and answers which then you know it, it it's never ending it keeps growing but you can you, you need to break down the problem into smaller pieces because when you think of how do you print a magazine, I've never done it. Well, yes, it's a very complex process. But then if you break it down, there is a hundred tiny steps and you can very easily take the tiny step. So you, you basically need to break it down and then go step by step and build a momentum. And just pick one step and go is what I'm getting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you realize, okay, you need, for instance, you need to do marketing. 
I have no idea how to do marketing, <laughs> but you know it's necessary. So maybe you need to get someone's advice. You maybe you need to do a course. Maybe you need to go on YouTube. Maybe you need to like this is a sticky point that you don't know how to tackle. You have to set time aside and just brainstorm and break it down into smaller steps. And I, I still struggle with this myself. Like you see, I have. It's very easy to advise someone, but it's very difficult to act on your advice. So. When I'm saying this to to you, I can think of all the things I'm not managing yet with the magazine because I don't know how to tackle it. But essentially, I already have the answer for it. I just don't take it from me. <laughs> yeah, and this is just just to visualize it. This is you. You have this all written down somewhere. There's like a piece of paper or a whiteboard. Oh, that would be lovely. I have a ton of paper, and you know, it's just everywhere notes and scrap of scraps of paper. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I started in in um, digitally. You know, I had a chart on on the computer, but as as I was you know progressing, I realized it's much better if I write it down by hand. So I have a one main notepad, two extra notepads, and lots of sheets of paper. So it's it's very messy. <laughs> That's so funny because I had the same experience too. I try to put on like Airtable or like Asana, but I honestly this this notepad that I have, everything goes in here, and it just it kind of stops me from thinking too much about how to get started. Because I'm just like, I got my notepad, just go. I think if you're brainstorming and thinking about a vision, a longer term vision, it's much better to write it on paper in in a notepad. Mm-hmm. I would use digital tools probably on like uh, daily tasks, but not not on vision because it's you're more detached from it. I feel when yes, it's on paper yes. and it's staring at you every single day on your desk. You know, a window you can close, you can change whatever. But if it's on paper, they're staring at you. You you can't really avoid it. So it's it's a little bit of a push, at least for me. Yeah, yeah. See, that's something I had to learn is like, just use a piece of paper. So <laughs> I'm glad that we're going in the right direction. Um, so we've talked about the stuff that you are good at now, which is just getting it done. Um, what about the stuff that's more difficult now? Is there anything that's a struggle at all at this point? Yes. So the whole process for the past three years was, you know, all about producing the magazine because you you have currently i give myself four months to produce a new issue so you know it's a lot of work and the four months are pretty much taken by the production of the magazine that gives me very little time to deal with the other aspects of the business Uh, all the boring admin and the marketing and sales and all that i have not um, addressed that very much and from a business perspective, that's terrible. Obviously, uh, you need to think of that. And I'm learning now that you really have to start thinking about those things before you uh, do the project, before you do the business, before you launch. Uh, it's very good to have that in mind. So marketing is something I, you know, I need to take my own advice through you probably um, to, to tackle and uh, address. Um, <sighs> I suppose quite a stressful bit is social media for me because I used to love social media when I was younger, even probably when the magazine was starting. Uh, It was a lot of fun to be on it and to like, there are a lot of people who love tea and post about tea because they love it. And that's great. You know, that gives you a lot of pleasure. People like it, people engage and all that. But once the topic becomes a business, and you treat the social media account as a business thing, the whole attitude towards it changes and it becomes kind of a necessary evil. Um, I mean, there are, there are a lot of advantages to social media, of course, but it's something that you need to do to maintain some sort of online presence because it's important for people to discover you and people to know what's happening with the magazine and all of that. But on the other hand, that's very time consuming. And for me as a, you know, one, one person team, it's, it's, it's a choice. Do I want to play with social media 
to an extent that it's actually delivering results or do you want to produce a magazine? So for me so far, it's been mainly on the production of the magazine and the social media occasionally is, um, you know, neglected and not very addressed. So that, that's something I, I need to work on a little bit more and improve because I'm not very happy about it. And is that a, a business choice or something you want to do for yourself? Um, it's, it's both really. I think it's a great extension of the printed magazine that you can have something digital and you can see more of the content online, but also it's necessary as a business, uh, business tool. Uh, you really, you know, if you remove that, there is very little interaction with the magazine other than when people buy it and take it home. Um, so it, it's very useful and it, it, it should be nurtured and, and grown, but uh, I haven't found a, strategy yet how to how to manage my time and how to be able to put the effort into it it was such a shock to me when we were prepping for the episode when you told me that you struggle with social media because i think the account looks beautiful and we were talking about this you know it, it's not obvious from the inside out that you don't post every week you know once i do see your photo i'm like wow there's martin he's doing so well the social media post is so beautiful he must be doing okay is what I think of, and then I scroll past, you know? I give it a like, then I scroll past. So when you said that you don't like it, I'm like, what? Really? It, it, it doesn't read that, like that. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a poor choice of word. It's not that I don't like it. It's that because it's a business and because there's some sort of expectation, it creates enormous pressure on me. And I know that to grow the business and to... To, to, to not let people forget about the magazine in between issues, you have to keep doing this. And once you start having to do something, all the fun is, you know, gone. It, it becomes a chore. Um, so I love taking pictures of, of tea. I love, you know, talking about tea. But for this purpose, it becomes, it's much more of a business tool, as I said. So it's, it's much more stressful and uh, it's not always easy to, to adhere to the kind of timeline, you know, you would like to post once a day, or at least that's what everyone suggests and you need to engage with people and all of that. It's all fun, but I still have to produce a magazine and it's, there is very little time to, to do both things because really to make good social media, at least from my experience it's almost a full-time job like you have to be on top of it i'm sure it comes more naturally to some people it doesn't come naturally to me um so if you if if you feel low or you don't have the the, the energy the time and you start neglecting social media and you don't post for a few days it's it's a very heavy burden that you have to you know carry and you know the the less you post the heavier it becomes and the more difficult it is to go back into it. So it's, it's, it's a very vicious cycle in my case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I even Googled before, like how to restart social media account when I haven't posted in eight months, <laughs> like it, it gets that specific because it, there's so much pressure, you know, you think yeah. of, I should have done this and people will be not happy. And I have this idea in my head of how people are like what they expect and the things I did wrong you know? Mm. And like, I, I know it's important, but then like you said, it, it takes a lot of time to work on social media and it sucks some of the creative energy out of like the other thing that you're working on. Um, it does. And it depends on how you, how you want to run your social media. And you know, if it's like a blog for yourself, then I suppose the expectations are much lower. But if you, if you frame it as important part of your business, and as I said, you know, the business was never meant to be about me. So it's, it's a little bit more polished then the pressure is much higher. Um, I, I could decide to make it less polished and be more about me or more, more, more relaxed. That's mm -hmm. a choice, which I haven't made yet, but in that case, it will be much yeah. easier. Yeah, I'm curious to see what you're gonna do. Um, I'm gonna be watching your account, so don't feel don't feel like I'm watching oh you. <laughs> now you're increasing the pressure. It is hard, right? It is hard, um, but no pressure. It's just nice to see what you choose to do, you know, and what's sustainable, right? <laughs> so, given that you know, in your social media, you're very you know focused on the magazine, and I feel like we don't hear a lot from what 
like your personal perspective is. I'm curious if there's something that you wish that people knew about 80 degrees that would otherwise be difficult to share on social media or out of context, unless we asked you like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very interesting question now that I think about it. You've since during the interview from the beginning, you, you've been portraying it as something that people love the magazine. It's so great. And they always think, you know, they see a post on Instagram and they think, oh, you know, the magazine has been doing great. The margin is great, whatever, whatever. So the perception is that everything is rosy and, you know, jolly good. And that's so not the case, right? The, the, <laughs> the behind the scenes that you don't see is a massive struggle. You know, you have good days, you have bad days, of course, but... There is so much difficult time uh, behind the scenes that maybe that's the downside of running the social media the way I do is that you only see the pretty polished stuff, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not always great. And maybe it's important that people see some of the difficult stuff as well. So I suppose the answer to that would be it's not also glitzy and, and, and pretty as it seems. There is a lot of, lot of hard work and tough time behind it. So, yeah, I think I, I, I never thought about it, but when I see someone else creating a business or a project or whatever, because of my experience, I, I realize they must be going through a lot of hard time. But if you don't see that, then maybe that's something I need to show more or would make it more real for people or or for myself right because ultimately it's not all easy right (laughs) there's a lot of a lot of um a lot of difficulties right i mean i feel guilty sometimes when for example i'll repost you when you tag us which martin is really good at tagging people and crediting the people so it's easy to to um (laughs) <laughs> to repost on our Instagram. So thank you, Martin. Yeah, like no, but not everyone does. You make it Isn't yeah, it you make it easy for us to promote AD because you always tag us. But sometimes I think of like, okay, I'm gonna repost Martin's picture of this article that we did, right? Um, because we've written three for you now. And I laugh when I'm posting on Instagram with a story. I'm like, people don't know that Martin chased after me for six months for this article. They don't see that, you know? <laughs> it's it's so pretty. And Martin's like, thank you, Ree, like, great article, you know, but what they didn't see is, hi, Ree, how's the article doing? How's the draft? And we need this, and this is missing, and that's in addition to, <laughs> and I know this, right? You're having to message me and 15 other people, 20 other people to get it done, right? And that's that's the reality that I wish we could share with people, just as humans, right? Like, they get to mm. see the finished article, we get to show our relatives, like, look at this article that we did in 80 Degrees, but they don't see the hard work that goes into it, the ugly the part, you know? <laughs> the Because from my perspective, I'm like, crap, like, Martin must hate me. And you're probably like, I just want this article. If Re <laughs> wants to do it or not, I just want to hear from her. Right? Right? Mm, pretty much, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But it's how can you put that on a social media post? It's not pretty enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about sharing something like that. I wouldn't necessarily call it like ugly side of the business. It's just it's it's a struggle like any other business would have struggles. I just don't know how again, is it interesting for the for the people for the followers? I don't know. Uh, my perception was that tea people like to see stuff about tea that don't care about how an article is made or what is the struggle of creating a magazine there is a lot to say so if people are interested we can definitely share stuff (laughs) like that but again i never never saw that this was something people would want to see um so you know if people you do like to see that let me know and we can you know tweak stuff but as you said it's really i mean like in, in this world, no one owes anything to anyone, right? So if you want to be part of the magazine, if you want to share your voice, I'm very happy that you do. I know you're human, you have your struggles, I have my struggles. So if you take longer or if you can't, I mean, I can't hold it against you because, you know, who, who am I to hold it against you? So um, there is an opportunity. If, if, if we can exploit it, great. If not, no harm done. We, you know, 
have to find an alternative, we move on. That's that's that. But I would never, never feel angry or something that someone can't deliver. I mean, this is, again, coming back from my previous job. This was my constant uh, kind of state of mind. There was always fire to put out, fires to put out. People were late. People were not responsive. And that's that's just the way life is. So, yeah, that's perfectly normal. I expected that from day one when I started the magazine. So. <laughs> See, I think it's interesting because we've even worked together. Like, of someone listening to this this uh, interview, I'm even more behind the scenes than majority of people which i'm very lucky to do you know we're very grateful to work with you martin is so easy to work with it's crazy um and i find it really interesting to hear what else is going on in the background um steven beside me is he's like nodding his head like i want to know what's happening behind the scenes and <laughs> it's true that we, we do love tea and we're really truly tea people at our heart but the like I get interested in thinking, like, what was Martin thinking when he took this picture in Japan? Like, the specific shot. What was what was going on through his head? How did he choose this picture? What made him choose this topic? How does he pick 15 topics to put into a, an article or into a magazine? And what things does he leave out? This is all really interesting to me. So I, I would like to see, too, what people mm. have to say. But even as a tea person and I've seen a little bit behind the scenes. I kind of want to see more also. Hmm. This, this is, this is great. And this is something I like, even when I follow other people's projects, I, I love the side of the whole thing, like how, how the process worked and what was added and why and what was omitted. So I would love to share these things and I would love to, you know, explore this with, with you and when with with the followers and the readers, so yeah, I, I might might as well look into that, make a blog or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, behind the scenes, right, right. <laughs> See, I'm going to do a behind the scenes now thing too. Um, Stephen is beside me doing producer stuff, and he pops out a notepad on the side of our screen, and he says to ask Martin to give him the example of: Is it more fun to drink tea or to see the tea being made? Also, the tea that you're drinking. So I think it's the same concept of like, tea is awesome. Like, wow, this tea, this dance song I'm having while we're recording. I like the tea. But imagine if mm -hmm. you and I can go and see the farmer make it in, you know, Wudong in, in China. That's even more exciting. Mm -hmm. Like, right, isn't it? Like, I'm thinking about yeah. like, what, what cigarettes are they smoking? And like, how late do they stay up? And do they order takeout or do they cook at home? Like, even this stuff is very interesting to me. You know, it, it gives me a rush of like, what human things are they doing while they're making this dance song? You know, where the equivalent mm -hmm. is if you go on a website, this dance song is like Milan Shan dance song, elevation, whatever, cultivar, whatever, tasting notes, whatever. <laughs> and there's this perfect story about the human that made it, right? Which is, which is nice too. It has its parts. But then if you and I, Martin, can go and be like, this tea maker who is famous likes to smoke Marlboros. Why Marlboros? Like, why Marlboro Red, you know? Or like, after he drinks tea, he goes for a beer. That's so interesting. And then you could ask him, does the smoking and the beer drinking affect your taste of the tea? Yes or no? I think yeah. it's interesting. You know, maybe it's not that interesting to you. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's... As you know, the magazine is not all about tea. There are a lot of other experiences and sentiments explored. Right. So I love this kind of background story to it. Um, I don't know if many people like that. I would assume that, I mean, why not? If, you, if, you, if you're interested in tea, this is all the kind of backstory that, that comes with it. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious about that. And when I, when I went to Japan, when I went to China, I spoke with these people I was there in the experience, you know, whether we were having lunch or dinner or drinks or whatever, and then you, tea was not the majority of the of the topic we discussed or or the time we spent. Like there was so much more about right, these people, right. and I still keep thinking about the conditions these people in in Yunnan live and how the family manages to live in a, in a little hut, which is so alien to my circumstances and you know our circumstances here in Europe. So. I find it fascinating, but 
I, you know, I don't know how, how, how much interest there is out there uh, for this, but yeah. Um, if, if you had stories like this to tell, I would be very happy to read yeah. them or see. Well, it, it's true for tea. And I think the, the point Stephen is making popping up on notepad is if it's interesting for tea, then it's absolutely interesting for the magazine because we love the magazine mm. and we're brought together by this magazine. But also I'm interested in like, I'll just tell you honestly, like, do you drink coffee in the morning or tea, right? Like, is it matcha? Like, does it feel wrong to drink coffee if you're working at Tea Magazine? Like, when you're saying that you have... Why would it? Right, right. Because some people would, right? (laughs) Would think that it's weird, but that's that's fascinating. And when when you tell me during this interview that you have papers all over the place... That's like, what, really? Does he really have papers all over the place like me also? Because <laughs> I see you as this very organized person. I can't even tie my shoes. And you're able to like talk to 15 people, get illustrations, publish, you know, ship out, make sure that everyone gets what they need, right? So even the small detail of Martin uses a notepad to write his to-do list or his, his vision. Vision on notepad, to-do list, digital. That's really interesting to me. Because I know what the, the final product is, you know? It's, it's funny you say that your perception of me is that I'm very organized. I, I don't know why, but it, it is true I'm very organized. <laughs> but when you, when you imagine piles of papers, I have a lot of papers, but they are still neatly organized on the desk. <laughs> they're, they're not all over the place. <laughs> I couldn't function in such an environment. Uh, everything has its place, but, you know, it's on many sheets, let's just say, neatly stacked. <laughs> See, that's interesting too. <laughs> I actually find it very productive, you know, uh, if you take an A4 sheet and you fold it in two places mm-hmm. into like three different columns and you note different things on different page, it somehow makes me get through the to-do list much faster if I write it on the ah. Like I don't like okay. big sheet of paper. I need to fold it into smaller pieces to have little columns and then I'm much more productive somehow. Maybe that can help someone. <laughs> and is that a daily to-do list or a big picture? Yeah, a little bit of both, I guess. There is some longer vision. There is some breakdown of things I don't understand and I need to learn. And sometimes, yeah, to-do list as well. I guess the digital part of the of the note-taking is good if you're on the move. And if you have to, you know, if you have a computer and phone and it's all synced, then it's fine. But if I'm always at home... I tend to do paper mm-hmm. most often. That's fascinating. Because they say that it's much more, the, the urgency of it is more real and it stays in your mind if you write it down by hand rather than if you type it. And I, I think it works. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. can't verify scientifically, but I think it works for me. <laughs> yeah. I think my, my takeaway from that is that if it, it if, you have to do something very specific, like folding an A4 sheet into three, and that's what gets it done for you. Just do it, you know, because um, my own to-do list that's worked for me after reading so many books about how to make to-do lists and how do people get their stuff done is I use Notion and I greet my to-do list every single time in the morning. I will say, good morning. I'll type down, good morning, Notion check-in, <laughs> and I'll, I'll write the time because I know I'll feel guilty if I start late. So I'll write the time that I say hello to my to-do list and I check it off. And then when I'm ready to go to sleep, I have to say goodnight to my to-do list. And so Stephen might be done already, but I'm like, no, no, wait, wait. I haven't said goodnight to Notion yet. I need to say goodnight and check off. Um, which I think is even more like specific than the A4 folding. But um, well, I find all these it... rituals have their merit. I mean, yeah, it yeah, works like... for you and it, and it makes you more accountable and gets you to do stuff. Why not? Right, um, right. Uh, for instance, I need to write my to-do list the night before I have to do the to-do list. I would not come here in the morning and start writing the to-do list, right? I need to know already what I have to do this t- today. So I, I prep it the day before because then I'm not very uh, good in the morning. So I take 
you know, take longer to focus. So if I have a clear structure that needs to be done, I don't have to think about a structure. It helps me a lot. Same for me. Yeah. When I say goodnight to my to-do list, I write almost like a small letter to myself of this is what you have to do tomorrow. So when I sign yeah. in, I see what was left behind by me in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so cool that there's these little tricks that can be used, you know? Yeah. And the, the folding of the paper, it's because I have so many uh, mock-ups printed that were supposed to be the magazine before it goes to print. So I have tons of A4 sheets that I can't really use. So I just write on the other side of them my my tasks to recycle yeah. the paper. <laughs> yeah. See, I find this interesting. I would love to see... I'm going to ask you now, and maybe it's not going to happen, but I would love to see your A4 paper make it to the social media of 80 Degrees. Um, <laughs> Scary. <laughs> No, maybe, maybe if I do a blog, I could some incorporate it somehow. Well, even just a quick like story of like this is how I, these are the mockups used to make the magazine, right? Going back to tea, it's almost like I've sent you a picture like this, you know, like the the the, <laughs> the block of oolong from Jade Mountain. That's mm -hmm. almost like your A four is like this is what happens before the tea is finished. It's a step in the process, and it feels very magical to be able to see that for me at least. Um, and I think other people, other creatives, right? A lot of food for thought. A lot of new content to create. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, take it or leave it. Well, I'm, but, I'm loving it. Um, I, I guess like the gist of it is it would, yeah, it, it would be really fascinating for me to see more of how you get this amazing, huge thing done. Because all of us, the rest of us arrive and it's finished and it's perfect, you know? So I guess to wrap up, um, with everything that you've shared with us, we've learned that you've had to practice things and you've had to learn to get better at certain things and you still have struggles. And, you know, you had to pass before 80 degrees. Um, and when someone asks me, you know, why too curious? That's my baby. 80 degrees is your baby. When someone asks me why too curious, I have a very deep feeling and deep emotion that comes with it in terms of like why I struggle with it and why I keep continuing. So I, I guess my question is, you know, what is it that keeps you going given everything that you have to struggle with to make 80 degrees? Why are you in it? Um, I, well, obviously there's been a lot of success to the project. So just that, that it was so liked and so, admired from day one has helped hugely the idea was to create this lifestyle magazine which would allow me to be creative and to create something like this from wherever i am you know that i'm not bound to an office like i was before the magazine allows this and I'm, i managed to create something that people love so just this is an incredible drive for me to to keep going on top of that, there is a lot of um, feedback from people who say, as I said, I wanted to bring more people to tea. And I get a lot of emails, a lot of messages messages from people who say, you know, I've, I've drank tea all my life, I know tea, but then I realized that there are six types of tea and I didn't know about that. Like that's a very basic thing for someone who is very involved with it, but there are so many people who have no idea about that. And just the fact that it's, opens up their mind and broadens up their horizon really makes me happy, makes me very humble and very happy that I managed to share this information. People are learning from it and are excited about it. Like there is, it's the excitement that people get that really drives me forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a business in its own right, but it's also something that is actually helping people and you can, in a very limited way, see how it's actually impacting their lives or, or helping them discover the, the drink and the culture around it. And these are people who have drunk tea all their lives, but they might not necessarily be deeply into tea yet, right? Yes. So, well, it, it comes, the, the, this kind of like basic differentiation between these, um, these fundamental types of tea comes from people who don't know very strong knowledge about it. 
But, you know, like even I, my, my roots, I, I drank tea all my life, but I knew nothing about it. And most often I was doing it wrong. Um, you know, some people can would say that you can't drink tea wrong, but yes, you can. I mean, <laughs> you know yourself. Um, <laughs> or what, what, what saddens me is that when people don't know tea and they tried in the wrong circumstances, in the wrong setting, the wrong way, and they don't like it. Like an example, I don't know, you boil green tea at 100 degrees Celsius and it's horrible. I mean, and we, then, we do that, but... <laughs> but... But you do it intentionally with a purpose, right? If someone doesn't right, know right. and they have a tea bag of green powder and then you put it in a cup at 100 degrees and for three minutes or whatever they do, it's not drinkable. And then they think, oh, I, I like tea, but I don't like green tea. Well, you haven't actually had mm -hmm. green tea. And this puts them off... Mm -hmm. very strongly so that that silenced me that you know this, this this opportunity was missed and their perception has been skewed so many of these people have found new inspiration and more in, new interest in trying these teas and you know learning about them but then also i mentioned that there are a lot of professionals who know a lot about tea, know all these basic things, know a lot of advanced things. But they may have never heard of a tea from a tiny village in Cambodia, which is very special because of something. And 80 degrees, you know, can tell a story like this. And then they're interested, they're curious, they try and they discover something new. That's another level of motivation that even people who know about tea, probably much more than me, I mean, I'm not a connoisseur still, um, can learn from the magazine that's really wonderful so it really works for on both sides yeah and if we can share you know um we have so many sources of tea content everywhere like we have so many voices in our head but 80 degrees is so special to us because the fact that you've put our passion into a physical product that is so beautiful and is read in so many different cities around the world that I've been able to go to Taiwan and find it there, you know, which is a, a crazy feeling. It brings <laughs> this niche passion to life and legitimizes it. So I think what you've given to us is you've made tea feel like a legitimate passion. Like we belong up there on the shelf together with the coffee people and the plants and the, <laughs> and the wine people and the beer people who have their indie magazines. And our magazine might even be a little bit prettier than theirs, <laughs> a little bit more beautiful. <laughs> With a, even a little bit more soul, you know, I think is what you've given to us. So it, it's quite magical. And you're almost never it's there. It's wonderful to hear. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wish you could be there when someone picks up the magazine without you in the room. And Me too. Yeah. I really want to see that. Maybe I should film it for you sometime. <laughs> because it, it's still the same thing. Maybe one day I'll see someone flipping through it in a coffee shop or a tea shop or something and just randomly find them reading it oh that would, that would be, be so wonderful yeah you've never seen this yet no. um we'll 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 work towards that day i think <laughs> that's that's what i'd love to see that also um so thank you martin seriously thank you um it's an my inspiration pleasure. also your ability to make it happen oh my gosh you know it's not easy um so thank you for for teaching us what's possible in terms of a tea project and for all the stories that you share in those those articles that would never have seen the light of day if not for your drive and your your curation you know mm. so if someone wants to find you and learn more about you where can they find you well the magazine is for sale online which is probably the easiest thing to do um it ships worldwide and there is a list of stockists i think it's about 100 or so <clears throat> in many countries around the world and, you know, if someone wants to reach out to me personally, directly, there is social media, Instagram, there is email. So feel free always to drop by, say hello. You know, yeah, I'm always yeah. happy to, to reply to people. So, <laughs> And it's yeah. at 80degrees.com, right? It's read80.com. Read80.com. Um, so I'm going to say that again. So it's read80.com and at read80 on Instagram. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, thank you again for this, Martin. It's been a pleasure. Um, you're such an inspiration. I really appreciate it. Come on. Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> it's so hard for Martin to take a thank you. It is. <laughs> After seven amazing issues and hopefully more hopefully. to come. Yes, it was great chatting to you. Thank you, Ree. 
And that's it. Thanks for joining us for this conversation with Martin. I hope it's gotten you kind of inspired for the projects you have going on this year. I know we feel super inspired. Um, even just the recording of this episode, we're like, man, we should just do what Martin does. Just just get it done as much as we can. Um, the tea world won't move forward unless we take the tiny steps towards sharing our passion and you know the things we really care about. So I hope you have some takeaways from this episode. Again, you can check out Martin's work at read80.com or at read80 on social media. And then, yeah, you know, support independent print and tea media. Pick up a copy for yourself. This stuff's gorgeous. And then finally, Stephen and I are at tcurious.com or at tcurious on social media. Support us by getting into all this educational, fun, cool stuff we're always into. And then as always, our DMs and messages are open all the time. And yeah, if you have a moment, also please subscribe and leave a review for this podcast just to help us get started. So yeah, that's it. Thanks and see you on the next episode. Goodbye.